Hello today in space listeners. How's it going? I hope you're having a great week and you're ready for some motherfucking science today. But first, before we start the show, I want to remind everyone to check out the website todayinspace.net. We've really ramped up everything on that website from all the pictures, artwork, and sounds in the media page to showing you how to subscribe to the podcast on your iPhone, Android, or computer. A beautiful beginner's guide to anyone who's new to podcasting, which is trying to make it as easy as possible. Not to mention, all the links to all the topics we talk about on this show. Make sure to check it out. We've got more and more content coming up in the future, including some 3D printing stuff, and we can't wait to share it with you. But now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to Today in Space. Hey, how's it going? This is Today in Space for August 20th, 2015. I hope everyone's having a great week. Uh, I've had a pretty good week, I'm not going to lie. Summer colds suck. Let's just say that right now. Um, Why are there colds in the summer? doesn't make any sense. I mean, I can see in the winter, got to switch it up, make it interesting, even if you got a cold, you know, whatever. But the summer... Why? Why? I don't know. But I guess it's a good thing. I guess it's a good thing. Get to get to train my immune system, you know? I got that one in the bank now. So, eh, whatever. It's it's pretty much over. You may may have to deal with it for this last week, and then uh, you shouldn't hear my stuff-up nonsense. But <laughs> regardless, welcome to the show. Uh, if there's any new listeners, this is your entertainment show. Uh, your podcast for space, you know. Uh, this is just a, a place we come talk about space every week. Sometimes there's some guests. Sometimes it's just me, and just kind of open format on space. Feel free to ask questions. We encourage questions. This is a place for anyone who, you know, likes space, doesn't know too much about it. You're gonna learn stuff here, and not only that, you're gonna have fun while you're doing it. So, uh, you know, what's what's been up with me? Uh, you know, add a little tidbit about my last week. Uh, started searching for jobs. Yep, started doing that. Uh, totally new experience. Um, had a job going out of college, uh, or I had a job in college. So I, I did an internship, got picked up there. So that was nice. But this next step is a little different, and uh, it's interesting because there, there's jobs out there. Um, the question is, am I qualified? You know, so that's kind of the first thing I look for. And um, you know, one of the things I notice. Um, is that there's a lot of jobs out there for people with uh, masters and PhDs. That's pretty much like the first things they're looking for. And then it's either five or ten years experience. And who has that coming out of school? So it's a little difficult. A lot of these positions that are being posted, um, you know, they, they don't really line up. But that doesn't mean you still can't. This is some advice for any young engineers. Um, you got to get on the hunt. You know, um, even if a company doesn't say that they're looking for somebody, but they have openings uh, and you're not experienced enough like I am to take that job, it's still worth, you know, like a big thing. Seriously, 
call up the company. Call up the company personally, talk to the HR rep, get their phone number. It's usually on their website. If they don't have one, then I don't know. Uh, but yeah, call them, get in touch. That way they're like, oh, wow, this person is, you know, is is active. You know, they're trying to get the job, blah, blah, blah. And they're, you know, we don't have to answer an email. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just a good thing. If you're a young engineer, I know most of us just would rather just stay inside. I, I get that. I get that. But it's a big step in front of you if you just take that extra step to uh, jump out of your shell a little bit. It, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so, uh, if anyone's looking for an aerospace engineer <laughs> and listening out there, uh, I am available and looking for jobs. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, just doing that stuff, trying to... It's, it's interesting because I have kind of a plan for the next... 10, 15 years where I want to be. So I'm really looking for stuff that's going to get me in that direction. So it's pretty specific stuff. Um, so just got to pick up some work in the meantime because, listen, you got to pay your bills. You cannot sit on the couch like a like a lazy bag of crap. You know, you can't do that. This, you need to go out there and work. Do something. You know, this is great. I love doing this, and I'll do this whether I'm working or not working. It doesn't matter. Um, but then again, I also have like 20 things always in the mix at one time, so I'm probably not the norm. So, <laughs> uh, what else have I been working on? Um, 3D printer. 3D printer first print is coming up. The first print is coming up. And actually, we're going to talk a little bit more about 3D printing today uh, for one of the topics on this week's weekly update. Uh, we've got some news from on Earth, uh, in orbit, and in outer space. So that all that stuff's going to be coming up uh, in a bit here. Uh, just, you know, just want to say, you know, motivation, get out there, go do your own stuff, man, do what you love, um, and keep fighting for that. It, you know, whatever it is, whether it's getting your debt down, whether it's if, if you're a student in my generation, that's that's part of the game. If, if you don't, you're one of the lucky ones, you know. Uh, so you got to hustle. you got to go out there and get work, pay that stuff off so you're no longer a slave to it. Um, that's, that's the name of the game. That's about it, people. <laughs> so let's get into this week's weekly update. Let's go. This week, this week on Planet Earth. So this week, uh, we're going to be talking about some 3D printing in space. Now, I know this is the on Earth segment, but it, it all starts here, you know, and, and basically the idea is, uh, you know, we can 3D print to the ground. What is 3D printing? It's basically a way to design and build objects, build objects, really, um, mostly with plastic. There's metal and there's tons of other materials, but you build it up in essentially layers or you, you know, you're either removing material in traditional manufacturing or you're adding material in 3D printing. So this 3D printing is, is huge. I mean, it, you can, if you haven't been following it, follow me on Twitter at ELGR3CO, El Greco. Um, I'm always posting about this stuff. There's stuff happening every day um, from, right now the big thing is prosthetics. Uh, there's a lot of prosthetics being built um, for for people who have uh, who have lost either limbs or have lost mobility in their limbs, and it's with 3D printing, it's blown up into this 
Um, very cool movement where there's a lot of custom-built prosthetics. They look great. Um, it's actually, uh, there was a company that worked uh, with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, a little while ago to give uh, a kid who had lost his arm, uh, I believe it was below the elbow, uh, and they gave him an Iron Man-built uh, prosthetic. So, and he, he went as Iron Man, the character, and met with the kid. It was, it's great. The video's out there. It's, it's, it's awesome that this kind of stuff can happen. And it's been happening because, not because 3D printers exist, but because the people are taking 3D printers and doing things with them. And one of those big things that uh, is trying to be done here is to actually make manufacturing in space possible. So, you know, why would you want to do that in the first place? Well, number one, for, for astronauts and living out in space... Um, if something breaks up there, right, or if, uh, you know, they need to replace something, wh whatever the case is, you've got to wait for a vehicle to bring all that stuff up to you, right? So you got to wait for another mission. I mean, this last year has shown, you know, there, there can be periods where it just doesn't work. We've had four failed launches in the last, I think, year. Um, so it's even more prudent now that, all right, you can't just rely on the next equipment. Plus, um, adding all that extra weight requires more fuel. So what 3D printing lets you do is basically build what you need on the spot. So how does that compare with like the weight thing? Well, if you think about it, you know, if, if you have to bring up all these extra stuff, it's like packing for a long trip, right? Or maybe this isn't a good analogy. I'm just trying here. Work with me. The whole point is it's a weight game, right? You're you're trying to figure out what do I need versus what would be good. And what would be great is just bring up a whole bunch of material. Like right off the bat, plastic can do a lot of different stuff. So if you bring a whole load of plastic, right, you can bring a whole lot less things because then you can just build your things while you're up there. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it always makes sense when I'm thinking about it. And then when I actually say it out loud, sometimes I'm like, did that? any sense probably not but just bear with me here 3d printing in space uh it's already started so um last year in november 2014 this company made in space uh sent up a 3d printer to the iss i believe it was on a spacex uh resupply mission one of the crs's and they they printed the first part which was this buckle for uh a nasa uh nasa designed it to help with this uh let me see here, so, just so I can get it right. Uh, it was intended, uh, oh, for this experiment uh, to, to prevent muscle loss in zero gravity. So that's the buckle they built up there. So like they could get it done like, net, like that. As soon as the files get through and they figure out how to print it, they have the part. They don't have to wait six months to get it there, right? Um, and you know, since then they've, uh, I think total printed 24 items in space and then sent them back. They went through all the tests and figure out, you know, what oh, what happened, this and that. And nobody really knew, all right, where's the next step with this? Well, it turns out, Made in Space, that same company, uh, their ultimate goal is to start basically make manufacturing capable in space. But not just space, in the vacuum of space. So, like, the, the test that happened in November last year was just zero gravity, like microgravity, just to see like, okay, does the plastic form the same way? Is it just as strong? Is it more strong? Is it less strong? You know, is it more, is it more brittle? Not that I think it would do that, but 
they you don't know. So they they first time they printed it, send them back so they could test everything. So now they've they've uh, done a whole bunch of tests and they actually have ready. Um, and they said they're about eighteen months away from actually bringing their designs and and start testing it in orbit outside of the space station. So they're actually going to print in the vacuum of space, which is just ludicrous. But it, it's um, it could really do some some crazy shit up there. And and let me explain. Like, you know how you know they got all these big starships in all the science fiction, and you've got uh, just just the craziness of both Star Trek and Star Wars, right? Those kind of ships will never, ever get off the ground if they're launched from Earth. So if you build them on Earth, there's no way you're getting them off the ground. The only way it would ever happen is if you send it up in pieces, launch after launch after launch, and then you built it, you attached it in orbit, in space. It's the only way you'd be able to counteract how heavy that, that thing would actually be. Like it would be great if we could send if we could send humans in a spacecraft that's like the Death Star or you know uh, the the Enterprise right from Star Trek. It would be great, but the problem is you could never build that thing with what we're doing now. So the way to change that game is to actually build it in orbit, and that way you use the the lack of uh, gravity or the microgravity to now put these very strong, also very dense, which usually goes directly to weight. So you take the gravity out, and now you've got something that's very strong. You can get as big as you want. And with 3D printing, you know, the, the idea is the same. You don't have to send launch after launch after launch of supplies. You, you know, you can start sending up more oxygen and, and fuel and uh, food, uh, and other scientific experiments can now take the place of what would be these, you know, extras. You know, you, you'd never have to send extras of things once we got down the road with this 3D printing. You know, you could build all the utensils and tools you needed. And more importantly, you could actually start ramping up how fast some of these experiments happen in an orbiting space station like that. You could, like, if, if someone addresses the problem, scientists uh, on the ground and the astronauts on board the ISS agree. They're like, all right, we need this little clip because it's going to help us. For instance, with the, the veggie experiment that happened on the ISS not too long ago where they tasted space lettuce for the first time, right? The first time it's ever been harvested, grown, and eaten in space, right? First thing I saw was um, Jell Lindgren when he was uh, taking, so there's a plastic bag after he was cutting the leaves off, and there was different sheets, so I, I'm guessing to separate the lettuce, um, so that way you could tell what each cut was. And so he had to take all those out and then put the lettuce on a sheet, then put a sheet on top, put another lettuce, put another sheet on top, another lettuce, you know. And not only that, but it had to stay next to him in that corner. I'm guessing it, that's what it looked like he trained for. I don't know this. I'm just speculating. Uh, so granted, it was an easy fix. Um, Scott Kelly was there helping record with Kamiya Yui, and Scott Kelly just put his arm, his hand down, and held it down. You know, not the best thing, but it, it solved the problem. Now, if someone had seen that after they had already launched, and they're like, hey, you know, or after the mission, they're like, hey, you know, we had a hard time, you know, holding this down. I, I, I had to use, I needed both my hands, and I, you know, 
needed to hold it down because in the weightlessness it's floating around everywhere if you just had a clip that was made really simple bang bang throw it in the 3d printer do it you're solving problems on the go as opposed to um which it, it's not a big deal it's just it's an extra add-on that can just make things a little bit easier you know you can make adjustments on the road and right now you're limited to the things you bring with you so where does this open up to further down the road you know well on a mission to to mars where every kilogram every pound is scrutinized for, for months if not years on panels who decide which one should go which ones you know uh which one should should be kicked out you know because because oh no you know we need we need more room for water okay but you know we also need to bring this scientific experiment you know that's the reason we're getting the money blah 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 all that shit right so if you're just bringing up material then really you're 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 basically saying all right this is how much we have for building things and it, it's it's making the material a commodity as opposed to an individual instrument having its own place you it, it becomes something it becomes a budget game at that point you know it's uh it'll make things easier down the road so that like if something breaks they're screwed because it's done if you had to get stuff sent to you again from earth to mars that's a six to eight month wait if the button is ready to go at the moment you had a problem because if they have to prepare a launch <coughs> sorry about that if you have to prepare a launch how how are you gonna you're gonna have to wait a year before they can, anything can get done? Or you bring a three D printer with you, and you either build it on the way or you build it there while you're down there. You know, so it has huge huge advantages. And if any of this isn't making any sense, <laughs> don't worry. Um, we are gonna be doing a lot of three D printing talk in the future here. Um, I have one of my own. Um, it is a RigidBot Big, um, huge build platform. Basically, the idea is the more space you have in the printer, both in the X and the Y, so like a piece of paper flat, and then how high, or like if you made it a cube, you know, that build platform, build volume. You know, the more you have of that, then the bigger parts you can make um, at a time. That's kind of the idea. Or the more... You know, let's say you're making uh, a whole bunch of one small part, then that build volume is important because that's how many you can make in a run. You know, let's just say you could make 30 parts at a time, you know, and that's with the bigger platform. If, if you had one that's smaller, you might be only uh, able to make 20. So as far as a business is concerned and, and building product, that's very important. Um, this is by no means a professional printer. <laughs> This is not one of those like 50 grand, 100 grand uh, professional 3D printers. This is very, uh, this is an engineer's 3D printer. Uh, bought it to, to build it from the ground up and uh, to learn the whole thing. Uh, it's almost ready. It's almost there. Uh, I'm really excited to use it. I'm excited to get back into designing. That's one of my favorite, favorite things uh, in the world, designing and prototyping. Uh, that process is what I loved about the R&D job that I did before. It's it's exciting. It's a challenge. More important, I think the most important thing is it's a challenge. Um, you know, and with a three D printer, you can you can go from design to to 
uh, manufacturing to testing to you know fixing it you know making it better tweaking it and you can do it way faster than you can and not only that it's just nice to have something in your own hands like after you built it like the joke in when you know a few of the jobs I've been at whenever design gets brought up and the guys who were brought up on the old school um, you know prints physical prints where you um, you know, there was really only 2D software at the time, and that was that was the big time. That was the new, <laughs> you know, that was the new software uh, back in the day. But basically, they were by hand, and and the thing they would say is, if you can't build it for it to be manufactured, then you're just a glorified artist. And what does that mean? So basically, it's like you, you may be a great designer. But if you can't design something that is easily and, more importantly, inexpensively created and manufactured, then you're you're a great designer. Because you can be a good artist on a design program, but if the company can't make it, then your, your design is not good. You, you need to be able to make something, and it's simple things like like knowing what the limits of a mill is or, um, you know, because it's it's like some of these things that are designed today are very, they look great and they look sleek and this and that, but they can't be made without costing, without using equipment that is very expensive to use by the hour, you know? <coughs> so that's what I mean um, <clears throat> by, by good designing, you know? Uh, it's... It's definitely something. It's it's like uh, it's like it's like a sport. It's like uh, it's like anything you have to actually practice for. You know, you're never good at it right away. Um, yeah, people. Some people may have talent in it, but it's the people that stick with it and design every day and and start seeing different things and getting shortcuts and then um, to make things easier for themselves and then finding out little design you know tricks and tips here and there and they really start. You know, I've had the honor to work with some great designers, and when you see them work, it's it's like magic. It really is, and they're <laughs> they're almost always like, yeah, whatever. I just I do this every day, like that's what I do. Um, but with someone who doesn't do it all the time, or or who's just learning, you see some of these designers, and it's just incredible what they can do. Um, and you add a three D printer in there, and you're you become really dangerous. <laughs> Because now you can really see, because additive manufacturing is a little bit different, you know, uh, regular manufacturing, the mills, the lathes, um, a lot of that is, is um, it's not additive manufacturing, it's, it takes away, uh, it's subtractive manufacturing. You're taking a block and you're cutting it down, or you're taking a rod and you're trimming it down, and that's how you're making your product, where with additive manufacturing, you're starting with nothing and building layer by layer to create something. So the design is is different. You know, it's if you design, if you design regular manufactured stuff, you know, subtractive manufacturing, then 3D printing is not going to be hard for you. Um, but I could definitely see someone who only 3D prints an additive having an issue going back to subtractive manufacturing because the two will never cancel each other out. It's just not going to happen. The numbers may dwindle down. One might may become a minority where, um, you know, there's only a few high-quality shops around in the way, way, way future. But 
you just you can't get done the same way, right? The way the industry is now with additive manufacturing, you're not gonna outdo the 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 old manufacturing, you know, the old school stuff. It's the good ones are too good, you know. 3D printing hasn't gotten to that point yet, uh, but it's as an add-on to all the other manufacturing, it's a great piece to uh, to get into. So. I've got a lot of videos. <laughs> that long rant aside, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a lot of videos coming at you uh, in the future. Here, we're gonna be putting up some pretty crazy shit um, coming up here, and I'm very excited to show you. But <coughs> damn it, I hate summer colds. <clears throat> I'm really sorry it's coming through in the mic. Uh, I promise this is the last week. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so three printing. In the vacuum of space, awesome, 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 crazy stuff. Uh, definitely look into it. I'll have uh, the links from Made in Space and, and what we talked about today. Um, and we'll have some more 3D printing stuff in the future for you guys. Uh, let's go to the next segment. Hey everyone, before we go on with the rest of the show, make sure to check out Today in Space Studio's first ever single. In honor of the human race reaching the Pluto system by robot for the first time ever, we want to make a song about it. This is not your typical song about Pluto. Get ready to find out why Pluto was demoted and be barraged with electric sounds from the deep dark of the third zone. Available for 99 cents from the Today in Space store, Amazon Music, Xbox Music, iTunes, and Google Play, and available for streaming on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Purchase or play away. Buying, streaming, or just sharing it with someone helps support John and myself, the artist of Pluto the Misunderstood, in making our next piece of music. All the links are available on the homepage at todayinspace.net slash home. Thanks for all your support. This week, this week, in orbit, in orbit. This week, the HTV5 craft uh, launched and made its way to the International Space Station as a uh, carrier of six tons of food, water, and scientific gear, along with other supplies, uh, on its way to the orbiting space lab apartment called the ISS. Uh, the HTV-5 is a robotic Japanese cargo ship, uh, just like uh, robotic in a sense like Russia's progress craft. Um, it was launched uh, yesterday, August 19th, at 7.50 a.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time uh, on a H-2B rocket. Uh, it launched from the Tanagashima Space Center uh, in Japan. Uh, it On board, it carries a few things, some interesting stuff. Uh, one very interesting is uh, there are actually some uh, live crewmen but not crewmen like you'd normally think. There's actually 12 mice on board. Now, what are space mice going to be doing? Well, they're actually going to be helping us figure out what microgravity does to mammals in space. So, uh, it's good news for us. It's good news for us. An incredible experience for these mice. You know, uh, they're, uh, this, this crew, this dozen crew of mice uh, will be uh, in, in the space in the space station for in doing things for science. It's going to be incredible. Um, but no, uh, uh, my first thought is uh, 
you know, are they feeling the launch? Because uh, I would hope, I, I would, if I was a mouse going to space, I would definitely, for my own stress levels and my, my health, I just want to be knocked out. Just knock me out for the trip, you know. That way I have no idea if it, it even happened. Um, and that way you can just do science on me, you know. I, I think I'd be happy as a mouse if if I just got knocked out for that ride. Because I would have no idea what the hell was going on. I would just think someone was shaking my box like crazy, you know. Uh, and that's no good. That's no good. That's no fun as a, as a space mouse. Why would I want that? I don't know. I'm not even sure I can even have these kind of questions if I'm a space mouse. But regardless, they will be going to the ISS. So um, it's a five-day journey for the HTV craft, uh, the HTV-5. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, early Monday morning, August 24th, it should arrive. Uh, and then the astronauts on board will begin offloading the six tons of supplies that are on board. So, very cool stuff. And then, also, uh, as almost an exchange, uh, since the last time we talked, uh, one of the progress crafts that was on board the ISS uh, made its way back robotically into the Earth's atmosphere. And uh, it's very good. I found a very good article here. It talks about a lot of different things, uh, specifically this progress craft, the M26M cargo craft. Uh, it undocked from the Zvezda module. Zvezda module, there we go, uh, on the ISS uh, and uh, re-entered the Earth's atmosphere uh, four hours after it dropped and it fell into the Pacific, which uh, if you've been listening to the show for a little while or you've been to the the SoundCloud account for our lightning rounds, you'd know that is a place called Point Nemo, the place where all spacecrafts go to die. Mainly because it's the furthest away from any living people. So it's not going to hurt anybody and it can just disintegrate as it makes its way down. Cost effective and a lot of fun. So uh, very cool stuff. An interesting thing uh, in this article, I just definitely want to point out uh, from Spaceflight Insider. Uh, progress was developed to carry propellant and cargo originally to early, early versions of the space stations, the, including the, the specifically the Russian space stations, uh, Salyut, and that's S-A-L-Y-U-T, and the Mir space stations. Uh, the first progress flew in 1978 on Salyut 6, which is incredible, and, and even today it's used to resupply the ISS. Um, the next one, M-29M, uh, will be for October 1st, um, you know, and it's, it's, you see the, uh, the continued success of the Progress Craft. Um, they did have an issue a little while back for some um, software issues, but this thing has been going up there since 1978. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, they've definitely got that, it's probably the reason it's robotic is because it's been, it's just, they figured out how to get it to work and, and the system's do it, do it themselves. I mean, the cool thing is uh, the next stage of uh, these crafts are going to go up that are going to carry humans, um, the commercial crew. Uh, they're going to be using lasers and, and different things to, to even make that process more specific and, and, and thus more safe, you know, so that we could, they can really align it. Um, I can't really think of anything more precise than lasers. So uh, I like it. I like it. 
Uh, but just thought that was interesting, just to, you know how long progress has been a around, and it's uh, it's imp very impressive. It's very impressive. I mean, nobody doubts the the brilliance of the Russian space agency, um, whether now or, or back in the day. Um, they they know space. They know space. You know, I, I definitely root for them uh, the, for their space program for anytime they do anything. So, uh, just thought you'd find that interesting and. Let's go to the next segment. This week, this week in outer space. This week in outer space, we go to the deep dark of the third zone to Pluto, uh, and really go back to Earth to uh, <laughs> uh, new findings uh, or or a new direction we're taking in, in understanding Pluto. Um, founded originally online, uh, basically the idea is. There is a large, large nitrogen abundance in the atmosphere of Pluto. You know, and, and before we got there with New Horizons, the idea was, okay, you know, if Pluto had nitrogen, uh, a comet probably brought it there. Uh, but uh, as the paper uh, that I'll, I'll put the link up for, um, it's actually, for, for an abstract, for a scientific paper, uh, it, it's pretty easy to understand, or at least I, I feel so, so definitely check it out. Um, but the paper, uh, or the article, I guess, uh, in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, um, on the Providence of Pluto's Nitrogen, uh, by Kelsey N. Singer and S. Alan Stern, I'm guessing the same Alan Stern, who was the principal investigator for the New Horizons mission, um, uh, they, they, I'm guessing we're both affiliates, affiliations, writers? Something like something of that sort. Uh, they they wrote a paper bringing their findings to the to the surface and basically saying, from what we've seen, we're not ruling out that a comet could bring the nitrogen in there. But from what they're seeing, with the amount of, of escape that's happening of Pluto's atmosphere because of the binary moon Charon, um, they would have to be like a, a fuel source of nitrogen on the surface or inside of. Pluto for it to ever make sense because otherwise the way it's draining atmosphere it would be gone if a comet brought it there you know it would have to be a massive comet and you would know that the the comet hit you know so it just doesn't doesn't line up so uh, they've done the statistical analysis and basically they can safely say that's not the case um, you're welcome to uh, send your own spacecraft there and or look at the data and contradict those but this is what they've given uh, and, and basically, you know, the idea is that something is happening inside of Pluto. And what the article was pointing at was, hey, maybe there's some cryovolcanism going on. Now, what's a cryovolcanism, volcanoism? So basically, cryovolcanism cryovolcanism is when you have a volcano that instead of lava, has ice. So, ice pushing up through the ground, just like lava would to build up this chamber, and then it bursts to the top. That's what I'm guessing. It's, it's very similar. So, the idea is that it's coming from sources like a cryovolcano. Um, it's just kind of pouring from the inside of Pluto. I mean, Pluto is, is incredible. We've seen the pictures. If you haven't, definitely go see them. Uh, and definitely go check out the Pluto episodes that we did. So many, so many hours. 
<laughs> of great Pluto content if you haven't checked it out. Um, and I'm actually going to get some people on here who, uh, especially for the chemistry side, I may be reaching out to uh, Talon Bevan again uh, and, and having her come on to explain a little bit of the chemistry um, because not my strong suit. Um, I'd rather have someone who knows what they're talking about come on and uh, and be kind of dig through it and figure out <laughs> figure out what's going on. Uh, but a lot of cool stuff. Ice volcanoes on Pluto. Incredible stuff. Um, just want to bring you that. You can check the article. I'll have it on uh, this week's episode. And that's all we have this week for outer space news. Hello again today in space listeners. As we're finishing up the show here, I uh, just wanted to know that if you want more sounds from Today in Space, just check out SoundCloud for our account, Today in Space Studios. We just started doing weekly lightning round mixes, so you can check those out. What is a lightning round mix, you might ask? Well, it's this week's space news boiled down and given to you as quick as possible, with a mix by myself and sometimes featuring artists involved with Today in Space Studios. Get your space news in a slightly strange, new, and original way. Thanks, and go check it out. All right, everybody. That is it. The show is over. That's it. But before we go, I uh, just want to say, you know, if you're a fan of the show, you've been listening for a while, um, don't keep it to yourself. Spread the news. Tell, tell somebody about it. Um, I'm sure you've got an engineering friend or, or a friend who's really into science who, uh, who's always looking for something new. Send, send, send us over to them. Let's, let's get in their ear about this. Um, really, really proud to say that a lot of the listeners uh, dig what we're doing here and spreading the word. So please keep doing that. It's, it's, the numbers are growing. Um, it's all thanks to you guys. And... Uh, just keep chugging away, you know. Um, a big thing with this is is you got to motivate yourself sometimes, you know, if not most of the time. You know, it's great when you have some people around you, but you got to get out there and you got to do it. Um, it's one of the messages we try and bring here. Another thing, science is cool as shit, and we just want to spread it with you. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Hopefully next week uh, I won't be, you won't hear my nose the whole entire time, me coughing. God I hate summer colds, but you already know that. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. Uh, Check us out, uh, todayinspace.net. Check out the website. Uh, You can check us out uh, at Facebook, Today in Space Podcast. You can check me out at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O on Twitter. Um, You can get all this stuff on the website, todayinspace.net. And again, thank you for listening. Spread love, spread science. I'm out. Have a good week, everybody.